No, oh, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and this is a podcast about professional wrestling. And boy, what a week to talk about professional wrestling. We're recording this on March 28, 2023, so we're just a few days removed from WrestleMania weekend, of course because of WrestleMania 39 is why this weekend is happening. And there's all sorts of other wrestling shows and apparatuses <laughs> all around it, which is fantastic. It's a great time of year to be a pro wrestling fan. There's all sorts of stuff happening. So we need to get into it. We need to get excited about it. And I'm glad you're here to get excited with me on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And hey, leave a like and subscribe to the channel. I would appreciate it a great deal. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast feed, Hey, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify, those things help out. All of those things help out. If they didn't, we wouldn't talk about it, but they legitimately do. And if you do like, subscribe, review, five stars, I kiss you. <laughs> How about that? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, thank you in advance. And um, look, if you want to take advantage of fully of WrestleMania weekend, you should join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord. It's where the Mr. Warren Hayes Show community hangs out, where we watch all sorts of pro wrestling. We'll be watching tons of pro wrestling this weekend, hanging out, watching, enjoying, sharing. It's a good time and it's a good community. I really, really like it. And if you like talking about pro wrestling, it's the place for you. So come on in. The link is in the description. Make sure you watch my, read actually, my articles over on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I publish a few of those over there and uh, if you haven't listened to it already the episode of the Jericho Vortex is also available on YouTube on podcasts uh, everywhere uh, podcast feeds everywhere um, not on podcasts everywhere just just, just mine <laughs> it's a, the Jericho Vortex is an episode that I recorded with Joe Lanz of the uh, flagship podcast where we discuss the myth or the reality of the idea that Jericho Chris Jericho sucks people into feuds and they always come out worse off than when they first entered so we talk about that and it's great audio it's already out there you should check it out if you haven't already and um you can also consider becoming a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel on YouTube that way you get access to the members only streams and members only videos uh, it's another very great way very simple way to show some support so, what are we talking about tonight? Well, like I said, WrestleMania, it's the big preview. WrestleMania 39, NXT Stand and Deliver, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, more GCW shows. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but we're going to start by talking about the CM Punk drama, because you just can't escape it. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Let's get to it. CM Punk. CM Punk at this, uh, at this point... Uh, he, there, there has been, uh, there's been rumors that he's, you know, he's been wanting to come back and he's been slowly reintegrating the online space, mostly on Instagram, dropping some hints, taking pictures with, with other pro wrestlers and stuff like that. And, um, and, uh, you know, he noted recently on an Instagram story, you know, very recent examples of that, you know, where he read, uh, he was reading Steve Kern's book. And uh, talked about, uh, you know, the story about Gator and Coco fighting in the locker room. Then Jerry Lawler drags them into the office the next day to squash it. You know, obviously we know what he's referring to. He even had, well, I say he. I, I should, you know, I mean, uh, Dax Harwood has been uh, has been out there. Um, he's, uh, you know, on the interview circuit, he's been doing stuff saying that, you know, the CM Punk would like to come back. So, you know, that story has been growing. We've been getting more and more hints that Phil wants to come back, right? And all this was 
fine and dandy and we've been having some discussions about it. And then last week, Dave Meltzer wrote the following on uh, the uh, figure four Wrestling Observer's um, message board on March 23rd specifically. He was responding to a comment referring that was referring to the, uh, the build of uh, CM Punk versus John Moxley at uh, All Out in uh, last year, in 2022. Um, so, so specifically what we're talking about here is um, specifically the, 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 the comment is referring to the August 24th Dynamite, which is the Dynamite where John Moxley squashed CM Punk to uh, unify the, uh, the AEW World Championship in the interim title. So this is what Dave Meltzer wrote. <clears throat> Do you know why they didn't advertise Punk versus Moxley longer and why it had a short build? Because Punk agreed to it. Then AEW got a legal letter saying that he wasn't down with it and it wasn't doing it and, and wasn't doing it, excuse me. And they didn't know if he'd come until Tony put his foot down. There are a lot of nice things I can say about him, and you can absolutely argue his position on Moxley was correct, but you can't argue he willingly did what he was asked in that scenario. <clears throat> now, again, just to, to refresh ourselves in the timeline here, let's not forget that Punk uh, was back from injury at that point, having lost the title months previously, uh, John Moxley, of course, was the interim champion at this point. Point Mox became the undisputed champion on that Dynamite, the August 24 squash. Uh, and uh, Punk then, just a week later, would defeat John Moxley at the rematch at All Out to regain the AEW World Championship, which eventually uh, uh, was stripped due to him sustaining a triceps tear during the match and of course the now infamous uh gripe bomb media event and subsequent fight with the elite and a steel this is all stuff that you know context right it's important now the one bit of information that we had here that we have here that we did not have previously, however, is the following. The legal letter. This is something, this is like perfectly, uh, you know, out of the blue, Dave Meltzer just dropping stuff, tidbits of information that he had probably heard about, but that, you know, that's, he, he always refrained from talking about it and just drops it randomly on the observer boards. A legal letter. Now, it what is a legal letter? A legal, you know, a legal letter can be a bunch of things, right? <laughs> it could, it could be anything, but it, it it does indicate that CM Punk felt that he was in 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 authority here to send out a letter to say, "I can do this. I can job here. I can't work here." For X reasons, and you're not listening to reason, so I got to get the lawyers involved. And boy, oh boy, the CM Punk, CM Punk knows a thing or two about litigation. I'm going to tell you one thing, if there's one guy that I wouldn't want to get 
involved in uh, with, uh, 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 you know, in legal matters. It's that guy. So, the most fascinating part of all of this is that he decided that he was not going... The, 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 mo the most fascinating thing is that he wouldn't... He, he, he decided he wouldn't do a job and felt so strongly about it that he decided to pull out a letter. Uh, the, sick the lawyers on the company. This is... If we're being completely fair, and I think, I, I don't think this is a, a, I don't think this is unfair, but this is Hogan levels of pettiness, right? I, I can't be wrong here. You know, I feel like this is different from the Bash of the Beach situation in 2000, right? Where, you know, a Hogan, you know, the whole thing with, uh, with Vince Russo, because Hogan didn't bring out the lawyers to tell Vince Russo, hey, I'm not doing the job. He sued WCW for defamation because of Vince Russo's promo after Hogan walked out, which is significantly, you know, significantly different. So the legal letter is something completely new that no one was expecting. I, it, it, it's it's wild to me. And even up to this point here, we don't know what the legal letter is. We don't know exactly what it was. There's probably just a few people in the know who will never leak this shit to, you know, wrestling uh, wrestling websites that, you know, this we'll probably never know what the, what the contents were. Not until, you know, not until no one can be harmed anymore by this. But... You know, in the meantime, uh, uh, the um, you know, the, 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 you know, despite the fact that we that 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 we don't know exactly what what the letter contained, it's fascinating to think that things escalated to a point where lawyer where where where, where CM Punk felt that lawyers needed to get involved because he absolutely did not want to do it. So. This tidbit of information is brand new and sheds an entire different scenario of what was going on. So, a little later that day on... Oh, and, and here's the thing. That I, this is just before we... I just thought of something that I wanted to mention. Because I've seen, I've seen some people speculate. Of course, there's a lot of speculation, which is normal. They're wondering, like, what is... What is about, uh, why would CM Punk pull out a um, legal letter? Like, what is his basis here? Could it be, and uh, you know, could it be that he has creative control? Was this negotiated into his contract coming in? It's not impossible to fathom that Punk would have final creative say on things that he would put that into his into his uh, contract into his obligations with uh, AEW or AEW's obligations towards him. And so that's crazy. When's the last time you heard a wrestler had creative control? You know when. We all remember how well that went. 
I don't know why, like, and, and we're just speculating here, but that would be, that would be probably the most significant reason why CM Punk would have had, uh, would have pulled out the lawyers because if he was saying, no, I don't want to do the job and Tony Khan was putting his foot down and saying, yes, you are going to do the job, then he could argue that AEW is breaching their contract terms because they are not honoring his creative control. We're being speculative here, right? But it's not impossible to imagine, just like it's not impossible to imagine him saying, I am not cleared to work. Here are some lawyers that will tell you that I am not cleared to work and we are, and I'm ready to fight if necessary. It's all entirely possible. Exactly. The injury might be a fact. So a little later on in the day, CM Punk, he responds. He get, he hops on Instagram and does a, uh, writes up a bunch of text. He deletes it, but not before the internet captures it. And I mean, you know, people say, oh, he deleted it. He regretted it. Did he? He knows what he's doing. CM Punk is the original terminally online pro wrestler. He knows what he's doing. Here goes, this is, this is the content of his uh, Instagram post. It starts. Sigh. Yes, all caps. Sigh. Sigh. I wasn't cleared to come back to wrestle yet. The plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky Three idea. I explained how I'd never seen a Rocky movie. And, and I thought the idea sucked. But if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. He said he wouldn't lose to me. I never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. I just laughed. I asked Tony Khan if this was what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss, so I said, okay, but I'd need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could just be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Chris Jericho is a, is a liar and a stooge. There were plans, but plans always change, but I'll never put a company above my health ever again. What does this all mean? Well, let's break it down. First of all, he says he wasn't cleared to wrestle, which could be, maybe he was, because look, he's one week removed from all out, two weeks removed from all out and he's not cleared to wrestle. That's cutting it close. Now, this could explain, I'm not saying that this is false. I'm saying this, and I'm not saying it's true, but this could explain why there was, virtually no build to the all-out main event because maybe at that time Tony Khan was like look we are cutting it fucking close here with the return maybe he was on a week-per-week -week basis so maybe Tony Khan was like brother I don't know what to do for my main event so it could be it's plausible which also let earn uh, which also lends credence to the theory that the legal letter that was sent was from lawyers 
specifically saying, he cannot wrestle, we will fight you if you force him to wrestle. But the point here, the point stands. He still did it. Despite the fact that he's trying to make it look like the boss absolutely wanted to and, you know, he was putting it, uh, uh, the boss wanted it, uh, so I, you know, I said, okay. He did it. He still sent a legal letter and still ended up doing it regardless. So, that was, so on that part, you know, there's, you know, you take some, you leave some here, you know, if you know what I mean. He said he listened to John Moxley's Rocky Three idea. This has been memed to hell, and now even, even fucking Sonata in New Japan Pro Wrestling is memeing on the Rocky Three stuff, which is basically you know Rocky losing to Clubber Lang, Mr. T, right, in a squash, like just like well, not, a, but you know, in a flash, and then. Uh, coming back at the end for the big win, right? And by the way, by the way, Rocky Three is not a good film. <laughs> it's it's not a good movie. It's probably the worst of the uh, Stallone Rockies, right? Anyway, and 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 yes, well, okay. Here's the thing, you know. I'm 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 very I'm very um, uh, I, I'm I'm very curious as to whether or not CM Punk actually never saw a Rocky movie. I really have trouble believing that. Pop culture fanatic, uh, uh, you know, he's in he's in the fight game. You know, like Rocky is the is the penultimate babyface story right so I, I i i really have trouble believing that he's never seen it right and then i and then i go back and i start thinking well what is what is a a pop culture phenomenon that i've never dipped my toes in that i've completely you know it's just been completely you know on my blind side and there's you know i've been thinking uh but then it came to me i realized it the show friends i've never seen an episode of friends because it, it never spoke to me. I'm like, what the hell? It, you know, it, it doesn't look interesting. It doesn't speak to me. Maybe I was a little too old to indulge in Friends as well. I think it was, you know, a, a certain, it was a time capsule for uh, people of a certain age at a certain era, right? Um, but uh, I never got into it. I've never seen an episode of Friends. So, you know, I was sort of making fun of CM Punk, but you know, I unfortunately cast a stone, cast the first stone, and um, and I regret it because yeah, I've got this huge blind spot myself. Do I feel like my pop culture uh, existence on planet Earth has suffered from that watch of it? No, I have not. You know, never saw the Ross and Rachel stuff. Never, you know, never indulged. Don't know, don't know the ins and outs of it at all. They all lived in an apartment or they, they all shared an apartment or they all lived in the same building and they were constantly going into everyone's apartments. But that's the, is that, that's the gimmick, right? Because yes, I was too busy watching kids in the hall reruns 
An actual funny comedy show. Anyway. Back to the Rocky Three idea. And so, you know, it makes me wonder why, you know, you know, Mo here's another reason. Like, Mox, if this was a Mox idea, I don't, um, I don't, I'm not surprised that Moxley looks at this and is like, and says to himself, yeah, yeah, you know, why don't we do the squash thing? Because I hate the interim title. And he's mentioned that, that you know, the interim title was not his thing. He hated that idea. So why, so his suggestion essentially is, let's just go into All Out for a championship. And maybe Mox was just like, you know, hey, by the way, I'd love, 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 love to just have a recognized championship run because I've been sticking my neck out for the company and we're going to talk about this in a, in a minute or two. And I've been sticking my neck out for this company. Maybe I should get a, just a little recognition for that, a little something. Give, give me a legitimized run. Even if it's just like two weeks, just something to, to legitimize what I'm doing. He's, it's not an entirely bad idea. Maybe CM Punk says to himself, oh, he doesn't want to lose to me. But why does he have issues losing to him if two weeks later on the pay-per-view, he's losing to him? It doesn't make sense to me. What is the opposite? What is it you do then? Because we're talking about the August 24th Dynamite here. We're not talking about the pay-per-view. That's not what CM Punk is talking about. He said, John tells me his idea. I think it sucks. He says he doesn't want to lose to me. Well, what does CM Punk do then? He defeats John Moxley on the 24th. Then they go into All Out and he beats John Moxley again? Or why would John Moxley accept that? Why would anyone accept that? Why would, wh how would that be advantageous for John Moxley in any way, shape, or form? And then none of it makes sense if you think about it that way. Again, we're talking about the August 24th Dynamite. That's the one he's bringing up, he being CM Punk. That's the one he's bringing up, saying, he, I'm not used to people not wanting to job to, to, job to me. I like I don't even yeah it doesn't even make sense in this you know in the in in the time frame. Beats John Moxley on the twenty fourth, then beats him again at the pay per view, or or was John trying to angle himself into winning at the pay per view? This was never mentioned, and I don't think that was ever the plan. In Chicago, what are we doing? And I've never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. You were in WWE, brother. <laughs> you were in World Wrestling Entertainment with Triple H, a man that you cannot stand. And vice versa for all intents and purposes. What are we even doing? And then... Chris Jericho, as they say, catches a stray here, being called a liar and a stooge. <laughs> it's 
been wildly speculated that Chris Jericho is one of Dave Meltzer's sources and that he's the one that had been feeding uh, Dave the most amount of information over the entirety of the gripe bomb slash all out fallout, whatever you want to call it. He's been the one that's been, that's been widely speculated because of the information that Dave is able to return. And if he has, and he, look, uh, Brian Alvarez took very much exception to this and went on a bit of a, a bit of a rant on Observer Radio, uh, outright flat out saying that, you know, Chris Jericho is not one of the sources. You know, we don't talk to Chris Jericho, we don't talk to the elite, right? Or the Bucks specifically, I think he said. So, you know, and he said, you know, if Chris Jericho had spoken to Dave, you know, I don't know if he has or hasn't, you know, but I'd probably know is what, he's, what he was saying. So in, in, in Brian's mind, Chris Jericho here has nothing to do with anything. I don't know why. I, I honestly don't know why Brian Alvarez felt like he had to jump out and defend Chris Jericho. If only, if only to blur the fact that that Jericho is indeed a, 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 a source. So he just did that to muddy the waters a little more to just add to the blur. It was like, well, no, well, Alvarez says that he's not. Yeah, but everyone seems to think that Jericho is. Yeah, but Alvarez says he isn't. He can't, absolutely cannot. So it's, it's, you know, there's so many levels to this. But, you know, Chris Jericho and CM Punk, you know, very likely, again, we're going to talk about it in a bit, don't like each other. And Jericho has dealt with CM Punk in WWE. And I've talked about it also on the, uh, on the, um, uh, on the, uh, on the member stream, excuse me. Uh, Moxley also had to deal with CM Punk at a couple of, like, you know, he's probably had run-ins with him on, on a couple of, occasions like they've ran in the same circles on the independence for a while they had to have come across each other um you know i think there is some crossover with their wwe career um so you know there's a there's a level to this where it's like i i'm not surprised that either guy don't don't like him and if chris jericho doesn't like him and sees an opportunity here to push him out look jericho if he is the source He's been doing his job really well. And I'm not surprised. Because Chris Jericho knows how to, you know, get what he wants out of media, say the right things, have people saying the right things about him, right? It's not that big a deal. In the sense that it's like he's pushing his agenda for not wanting CM Punk back. Feeding Dave all sorts of stuff. Not saying that it's false. Like, why would Dave lie? That's always the question you have to ask yourselves. Because I love these, I love these suppositions where, and it's not just re in regards to Dave, but any of the journalists that have made it, like, you know, some of the top guys, Mike Johnson, Sean, you know, the, why, you know, when they, when they report things that fans don't like, 
And fans go out and say, oh, they're just lying, they're talking through their teeth, they're making shit up. Why would they do that? I'm not talking about your bottom feeder dirt sheets. I'm talking about the guys who are making a legitimate career out of this and who are well off, you know, the top guys. What advantage is there to them to make shit up? Dave is not making this stuff up. There is no objective reason as far as we see for Dave to make stuff up because if he is and this is what I need y'all to think about my A plus audience the thing that Dave the, the thing that you have to think about is if Dave lies and makes stuff up and this stuff gets exposed because it eventually everything gets exposed when it's made up what kind of shot to his credibility and his business and the people who work for him will take? Because it's not just, oh, Dave can make up any shit he wants. He has people under his employ working for him in his company. Same goes for Mike Johnson. Same goes for Sean. I can understand that. You don't like listen, you don't like the news. You don't like it when the, uh, the dirt sheet writers they say the things that I don't want to hear and that makes me mad. I like CM Punk. I like June Mooksley. I don't like it when they say bad things about June Mooksley. I don't like it when they say bad things about uh, CM Punk. So what so all you have is to say, you're making shit up. What's your source? The source is the janitor. These people would not be successful. Would not be successful. If they didn't have sources. And they were inaccurate. You don't have to like what they're reporting. That's entirely up on you. Because a lot of it is, there's, there is indeed a lot of it that's speculation, but that's how you build trust. That's how, if all they did were lies, they would not be in the positions they are. They would not have the contacts that they have. So again, so my point here being, why would Dave, if Dave is not being given this information and he's not you know, doing his due diligence, double checking whatever why would he lie why would he make this stuff up what is his imperative to this uh, he hates wwe hey yo let's take a step back here dave Meltzer on his own awards show or his own awards uh his yearly awards poll basically chided his audience for not having voted for Triple H's Booker of the Year. Everyone voted for Tony Khan and he wrote an extensive paragraph accompanying that result, basically saying, my, my readers are wrong. So don't get me started on Dave hates WWE. We're gonna, be, we're gonna try and be a little more objective than that. Thank you very much. Now, does Dave do proper sourcing? Does he does he do proper sourcing? Does he double check? I don't know. And I think I think we can oftentimes question his methodology. As opposed to outright calling him a liar, which I which again, if you have a guy in your ear telling you stuff, here's the difference, right? There's a difference between me sitting down 
and, you know, writing up a thing and then reading it off to you and saying, this is all true, folks. <laughs> My sources have revealed that, you know, CM Punk, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's afraid of uh, milk. And, um, and then it turns out, you know, and it's like, I swear it's real, but I completely made it up. And there's a difference between that or someone from the locker room calling me up saying, Warren, just want to let you know, I heard this, uh, but uh, CM Punk is afraid of milk. Wow, CM Punk is afraid of milk. And then I print that out. Now, that is a questionable ethical uh, problem because uh, if I were a journalist, what I would do then is contact maybe a couple of other sources and try to get that confirmed. Hey, did you hear about CM Punk that he's afraid of milk? If I get maybe one, two people saying, yeah, absolutely, man. I don't know where you heard that, but he is absolutely afraid of milk. Then I go ahead and print it. Now, Dave recently, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, there was a whole thing about, you know, <laughs> Noah and the booker there, the booker of Dragon Gate. Look, bit of a not, bit of a problem that ended up uh, where Dave was uh, getting information from a fake uh, from a fake account. Long story short, I'm not going to get into it here, but he was exposed for it, and he did uh, he did admit to it and said that he'd probably do better. But he was basically sourcing information from one source, reporting it as fact. Where you're like, well, you should be double, triple checking some of the stuff here. Now, that's where we can get into a discussion. That's actually something interesting to talk about. Uh, you know, is Dave just feeding us things directly from one single source? Or is he calling up a couple of people saying, I heard this. What, do you, what say you? That's hard. That's... We have real, no real way to, 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 to make sure of that. My point being is, why would Dave lie? Because lying is a lot worse. There's no reason for him to be making up these stories, as far as we know, of course. But there's no reason, no observable reason, for him to be making up these stories. So if Chris Jericho has his agenda, and he's pushing it, Dave, on his end, he's doing one of two things. He's either taking Jericho's, or I'll stop saying Jericho because I don't, you know, I don't want to give you the impression that I'm a hundred percent, you know, buying in on this. He's taking the information from a source and just like immediately pipelining it through, or he's taking the information from a source, calling up a couple of other sources, making sure that this what this source, the original source, is saying is true, and then feeding it to us. He's doing one of two things. But for him to make up stories piecemeal, that's, I don't think is, I don't think that's the case because it would be a detriment to what he's doing. It would be a, a, a shattering of faith between himself and his subscribers and, and, and his readership that have been loyal to him in a lot of cases for decades at this point. So, and he's built an empire on this. I, I, I don't see, I do not see the, the impetus for him to lie. Let's keep going here. So basically, when you look at CM Punk's Instagram, he's basically calling out people 
throwing Chris Jericho under the bus. Someone from the locker room is like, Chris, you know, it doesn't take a magician to put one and one together where CM Punk is saying to himself, Chris Jericho's talking to... But CM Punk, I'm, I think, also assumed that the Bucks were talking to Meltzer back during the all-out stuff. And apparently that was not happening either. So I don't know, man. In an update on the situation between Punk and AEW, Fightful Select uh, had a report. Resources within the company said that they had lost confidence that Punk would be returning after the March 23rd post. Instagram post, of course. Fightful also noted that uh, they had been told CM Punk was willing to apologize for his comments at the infamous All Out Media Scrum. And that is something that a lot of um, that a lot of pro wrestlers were in the locker room were waiting for, were expecting, were hoping to get. But Fightful also specified that there was a lot of context, this is a quote here, there was a lot of context absent from that claim, specifically to whom or whether it'd be publicly or privately. The apology, of course. However, it is said that he uh, that he has, quote-unquote, expressed some form of regret. So Punk was really on his way to build and back up some goodwill, saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try and mend some fences. We, you know, okay, yes, I will, I am looking forward to apologize to people, but to whom, to how, and what. And, you know, here's the thing about an apology. I don't know if you know about this. But the great thing about an apology, when you receive one, is that you don't have to accept it. You can appreciate the gesture or you can just completely ignore it. So apologies will will only get you so far. But it is interesting to note that he was ready to do this, but then the the post drops and everyone's like, okay, no, no, we're good. Then we got some news from Wade Keller. Yesterday, I believe, or Sunday. I think it was Sunday, right? I believe it was Sunday. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was Sunday. And on his, he uh, he talked, spoke about the situation on uh, Wade Keller's hotline, his audio program. Uh, shout out to uh, Twitter user Trish Spears 48 for the transcript of the um, of the audio, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's it's chunky. It's a it's a good chunk of information, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to read through the whole thing. But uh, here are the cliff notes. Wade's uh, uh, accounting of the events because he as well goes through the whole thing corroborates a lot of what we had been hearing from Fightful from. The Observer, everything was sort of like, yeah, it's all coming together. But he also says he can't say for sure. He says he can't say for sure Punk wants to come back. Personally, I would argue that he wouldn't be back online 
and dropping hints if he didn't feel like he, if he didn't want to smooth things over right continue wade also states that the idea about not putting the company uh, about not putting a company over his health ever again is residuals from his time in wwe that's a very interesting observation one that i hadn't put one and one together but um, listen here's the the direct quote from wade keller here this is obviously a reference to what he went through a pretty traumatic mental and physical experience with the grind of the wwe schedule where he was so beat up that was part of the lawsuit with wwe and so much that went on with the doctor in punk and his belief that they weren't taking his health into consideration i and that didn't connect in my brain not until i saw uh wade talk about it um but again, I do want to point out that the still the weird thing is, is that he's still pulling out the I'm not cleared to wrestle card a week before all out, two weeks before all out. It's th that that still fascinates me. That's still a, a, a wild thing with and i think this adds credence to the to the idea that the legal letter was indeed something that was related to his medical condition and that cm punk was ready to to drag lawyers into this to make sure that he was respected i think that adds more credence to that aspect as opposed to the speculation that he had creative control Um, Wade Keller continues he says Punk and Moxley don't like each other uh, and uh, he doubles down on his previous reporting Wade again saying that the that the locker room didn't want him back he was reporting this like months ago and people were like poo-pooing and going, come on Wade come on Wade but he's doubling down on it this is what he says I'm, I'm gonna read the quote verbatim here from what I can gather Talking to a number of people in AEW and in a number of different places in the company, including prominent wrestlers, the belief is, or the sentiment is, he's not welcome back. He's not welcome back. The wrestlers don't want him back. I would say the majority of wrestlers don't want him back. I would even go so far as to say that my sources are saying that the vast majority of wrestlers don't want him back. I just said that. One person said maybe one or two of the top third of wrestlers want him back. There were some younger guys who liked him, you know, who just thought, hey, this is a guy I grew up watching and it's cool to have him around. Now, Wade is indeed consistent on this front. He's indeed very, very consistent on this front. He's the only guy that was reporting, that had been reporting for a while at this point that, uh, that CM Punk was not welcome back. He says, uh, he being Wade again, pronouns pal, he says that the politics among the top guys isn't terrible, but it's mostly, and I quote, Punk doesn't get along with Hangman. Punk doesn't get along with Moxley. Punk doesn't get along with Kenny. Punk doesn't get along with the Bucks. And then about MJF, he adds this. He says, actually, I'm not sure on the MJF thing, but I think 
With the way things went down, even that is a situation which is, which is not as strong as it once was. Also, quote, it's not everybody, it's not that everybody gets along in that group, but I've not heard of anything real serious between any of the names I've just mentioned. Some people really like each other, like Moxley and Jericho really like each other. And there's other top wrestlers who absolutely get along real well. They just don't coexist. Mostly, it is arranged between peaceful coexistence and just really liking each other and getting along. Punk is the exception to that right now. Unquote. It, those were some interesting details. Like, you know, that really continue to help create some context over all of this incessant drama. But then I believe the coup de grace was delivered today when Renee Paquette had John Moxley on the Sessions podcast. How does she keep landing these fantastic guests? And boy, look, she said she she had tweeted it out uh, talking about the, the the Sessions podcast, right? She had tweeted it out and said that John was going to address all of this bullshit. And he did, to a degree, of course. But fantastic insights and keeps painting a very clear picture. Here's one of the things he said, quote, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> it's fucking annoying. Just because somebody said some stupid shit on social media, that's not news. But it is, and it, ends up, and it ends up being a thing. I don't want to get dragged into this dumb shit. I could fucking on unload on a, on a lot of fucking people right now. And when I start getting dragged into this shit, it tempts me to do that, but I'm not going to fucking sink to that level. I think there's a lot of people who echo John's sentiments here. I really do. And I'm sure, convinced that he would be ready to drop some bombs himself. I believe every word he says here, but he's just not going to do it because he's got no time for this. Because he just wants to beat people up, kiss his wife and his daughter. That's what he wants to do. I will say this. I will give you a tidbit of information from my point of view. This is John, of course. John Moxley saying. The entire summer, here's the bombshell. The entire summer, I was not under contract with AEW. No contract, free agent. I was at SummerSlam weekend wrestling Desperado and shit the day of SummerSlam. Fucking suplexed him on a bunch of aluminum cans and shit cut in half. It was fucking dope. I could have walked into SummerSlam that night with the AEW fucking belt if I had been so inclined. Nobody knew that because I don't put my shit out there in the world and let everybody know every fucking thing about my business. Edie Gomez, nice to see you. Welcome. So there you go. This had been reported that Moxley had been working without a contract, but he just flat out came out and confirmed it. All throughout the summer of punk, he 
as in John Moxley, was not working with a contract. And when you think about everything that happened, every single thing that happened that summer, it is fascinating. It puts everything in a whole new light. Because Moxley was an interim champion. He was running and then became the unified champion and was not signed by the company. When he says, I could have walked into SummerSlam with the belt, he is right. He could have pulled an Alundra Blaze and tossed it in a bin behind Corey Graves and Michael Cole if he had wanted to do it. But he didn't. This is spectacular stuff. Again, I was, I had heard the rumors, I had read the reports, that Moxley was without a contract and was only re-signed this fall. I was like, that can't be, that can't be real. Because on this same podcast, moi, this, this gentleman right here, I had been telling y'all, the biggest miss, remember the, the, the fucking never open weight title situation with, uh, with, uh, 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 Carl Anderson. Remember how that created upheaval? When I was sitting here, what was I telling you? It's uh, New Japan's own goddamn fault to have strapped up a guy who wasn't even under contract. And it was a stupid thing to do. And I maintain the same, li the same line here. A lesser man than John Moxley would have done absolute trash with that title. It was a stupid move. That is a stupid fucking move. You sit down with Moxley, you have you put pen to paper and you sign the motherfucker before giving him the title. He was re-signed what in September, October? When they re-signed Moxley, right, and they gave him a position, and they re-signed Jericho, and they gave him a position. It was all around that same time. That, it cannot be underscored enough. That was bad, bad decision-making on the part of Tony Khan. Because if it wasn't for a guy, if it wasn't, if it was anyone else, then John Moxley, that situation would have been different. I promise you. Let's continue. He continues on and he's, we're back talking about the August 24th and he says the line, the greatest line, the greatest, the night in what's his dick, what's his dicks talking about CM Punk, he calls CM Punk what's his dicks, the night in what CM, excuse me, <laughs> I can't, it, I popped so huge when I heard that, by the way, thank you uh, 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 SES Scoops for the transcription here. The night in What's His Dick's Talking About, 
Minneapolis is the night he came back, hopping on one foot after me and Jericho wrestled. Badass match, by the way. <laughs> Put himself over. We're talking later about stuff. Bear in mind, and this is my point, I basically don't work there. For all intents and purposes, I don't even work here. Tony Khan is not my boss. I don't even have to be in, in this room. I don't have to do shit. So even me being in this room and offering and agreeing to a storyline that puts you over at the pay-per-view, all out, if anything, I am bending over backwards for Tony and for this dude and for the company because I didn't have to do shit. If anything, I was bending over backwards. So that's it. It's not even controversial. I'm just telling you how it is. Doesn't this just make everything just explode with glory? Where you're like, I cannot believe how fucking convoluted the backstage situation in AEW that summer was. We got to be honest with each other here. So not only here does CM Punk, uh, John Moxley confirm that he is that he was working without a contract that he wasn't even signed with the company that's one thing but if cm punk was trying to paint himself as you know some kind of hero for uh uh, uh you know for standing up for himself you know for you know i'm not gonna you know uh, the the company tried to get me to work injured and i wasn't gonna do that you know uh Try to top being John Moxley, still being loyal, a team player, a workhorse for the company that he is not even employed to. A company that he has, he doesn't have any ties to that he could just like stand up and walk out and no one would, could really blink an eye because he's because he has nothing holding him there. Imagine saying, saying, well, it was Tony's idea and Tony told me I should do it. So I was like, okay, I'll do it, boss. Whereas goddamn John Moxley is, is sitting next to his wife on his couch recording a podcast and saying, I stuck around for, and I did shit for this company that I didn't have to do. Because I was not employed. They did, I was not under contract by them. But I did it. You know, what, what reason did he do it? Why did he do it? Because he fucking loves pro wrestling. Probably there's people backstage there that convinced him to do it. Probably has friends in really deep ties here. But he's taking shit from CM Punk. Right now. And he's like, brother, I didn't have to take it. I could have walked out. I was sitting down with you trying to come up with angles when I didn't have a stake in the company. Who cares? Try to top that. So whatever CM Punk was trying to say in his Instagram post trying to position himself as some kind of martyr, he just got completely blown out of the water. One guy calling in lawyers 
so that he won't have to lose to a dude, whereas the dude who he's supposed to lose to is still working for the company, even though he's not under contract. And he could pick up and leave whenever he wants. When, when I did the Jericho Vortex thing with Joe Lanza, at some point, Joe mentioned, we were talking about Jericho, of course, that was the whole point, and at, at some point in the show, Joe mentions that, you know, to him, in his mind, Chris Jericho was the MVP of, um, of All Elite Wrestling. Because Jericho was there from day one, he's put over a bunch of guys, worked with vets, worked with young guys, worked with helping young guys get over. There's the spoiler of the Jericho Vortex episode, by the way. But uh, his idea was like, this guy has done it all for the company. And he's still a player today. And he's still a significantly important part of the show. And I agree with him. I would, you know, personally, even before this drop, I would have said, to me, there's no bigger MVP that the company had, at least in 2022, than John Moxley, and this just compounds it. And I said, this is a guy who, you know, not only 2022, but further beyond, because everything that he did there is still carrying today. He's still carrying this company. I think they're trying to divest him of the, the burden of carrying the company, but he has done it for months after Punk disappeared and the elite disappeared. Who did they turn to? They turned to Mox. Now they're trying to divvy up the pie, which is fine. But if that's not MVP shit right there, I start a wrestling company. I have the money. I have the credentials. I want John Moxley on my team. I want him on my team. I want him on my side. Last quote that I want to point out here. Thank you very much, by the way. Silver Apocalypse. I appreciate the nice words. Closing out the sessions thing here with one last quote from Moxley. I will say this and I hate to say, I don't think I've ever said anything remotely negative about AEW, but I will say this as an observer, it seems like I spent eight years on the indies, did a couple of years in developmental, did eight years in WWE. I have never seen so much fucking bullshit drama in one place in my entire life. And he was eight years in world wrestling entertainment. I don't know. He may be he may be dressing it up a little bit here cuz clearly Mox has an agenda here, right? Mox has doesn't want anything to do with CM Punk. And I think that's fair. I wouldn't either. You know, listening to this part of the story, listening to what he went through, I'm with him. <laughs> yeah. He worked for John Z John Zandig. What are we talking about here? The point here, and 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 he, you know, he sort of turned this uh, turned this around a little bit, where he was like, you know, it the drama doesn't. It's not a top to bottom kind of thing. It's a few guys at the top, but the but the drama is so 
encompassing that everyone feels it. You know, when... I, you know, I, I, I really believe that people who still believe, you know, that uh, who are surprised that, you know, there, there's frustrations and frictions and not everyone gets along in AEW. I think there's a lot of people who are surprised by that because of, you know, the kumbaya feeling that AEW had in the first couple of years of its existence for multiple reasons. But this is pro wrestling and this is inevitable. These are all people... Sure, they're co-workers. Some of them are even friends. But these are all competitors. Everyone is competing with each other for each other's spots. If you're on television a lot, people are angling to take your spot. That's absolutely what it is. But this is, a, this is indeed a level of drama that we haven't seen in years. Years. So that's the long and short of everything. Now, the question is, Warren, yes? What do you think about all of this? What do you make about all of this? Well, look, here, here's, what, here's, here's how I feel about it. I think Punk is burnt out. He's burnt out. Whatever goodwill he had left uh, backstage by pulling off the 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 May 23rd the March 23rd um Instagram post by bringing more backstage fighting into the public space by throwing uh, you know locker room members under the bus like he did uh this probably seals it for a bunch of people i i think for quite a few people this is pretty much it and if i'm tony khan i'm no longer on the fence Another topic that I've been mentioning quite a bit on the podcast here is, you know, we've been hearing a lot of, especially from Dave, saying Tony Khan has a very difficult decision to make in the upcoming weeks. He's been, you know, he'd been very vague about it. I'm saying he has a very difficult decision coming up. Whatever he decides to do is not going to be a good decision. It's going to be, it's a lose-lose type of situation. And the more things are going, the more it's like, well, is the decision bringing CM Punk back? I think that was always the the consideration right where it's like if he brings CM Punk back there will be negatives there will be positives and he's probably he was probably on the fence but if he is on the fence if he's still on the fence no more he can no longer be on the fence in regards to Phil Brooks you because know, if I'm him he's already he being CM Punk already insulted my brand and my management skills at all out Let's never forget that. And then he keeps exposing my locker room and throwing people under the bus. What else can he do? He being Tony Khan, pronouns pal, what else can he do moving forward than not bring him back? Do, now, I don't subscribe to the idea that CM Punk can no longer be a draw. I think that's revisionist history. I think it's uh, uh, current events dampening the minds of uh, of of a certain uh, uh, a certain group of punditry out there. I still think CM Punk can draw. Absolutely do. I have trouble breaking from the the concept that uh, that he can that he can no longer do good numbers on TV. 
that he cannot drive merch sales for the company, that he can drive ticket sales for live events and ultimately pay-per-view buys. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's possible anymore. However, I will say that he is diminishing returns. 45 years old, he's banged up. He's created a toxic environment backstage. He has an attitude you just cannot trust. When CM Punk returned, he had us all believing what he was selling. We were all drinking the Kool-Aid. He's happy. It feels good to be back. He let the fans down. He doesn't want to leave the fans down anymore. He wants to work with the new kids. He wants to leave the business a better place than when he let than when he got in. And he seemed relaxed. He seemed chilled. He seemed to be having fun doing pro wrestling. Right? And for a lot of us, we were ready to give him the benefit of the doubt because a guy like CM Punk, popular, a legitimate drop, like the Christ figure, right, of pro wrestling, the, the ultimate martyr coming back, having one last final great good run. It's such a good goddamn story. We all bought into it. And I'm not saying buy into it in the sense that he was deceiving us. I don't believe, I sincerely believe that he was truly happy coming back. I don't think you can fake that kind of emotion that he had. I don't. But I think eventually what did happen, what did eventually happen is CM Punk getting in the way of CM Punk. I think all of his I think all of his worst traits just came back. And you can't trust him anymore. And if I'm Tony Khan, I can't trust the guy anymore. Because what else is he going to throw out there? What else is he going to say? How is he going to continue? to undermine my public image, the public image of my company, of my wrestling startup, that I am trying to get off the floor, that I am doing rather, that I'm very successful at, at the same time. I have TV deals. I'm not just, I'm not a rinky-dink promotion running shit off, off of IWTV. I'm on, I'm on a, a national scale, a worldwide scale. And you're out here doing this? You, 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 you can't trust them. There's a sentiment that there might be, you know, wrestlers who, who walk out if CM Punk returns. I don't know if that's true. Again, these are reports. I'm not, I don't hang around. Spoiler alert, I don't hang around the AEW locker room. I mean, when you, when you consider all of this, CM Punk returning is diminishing returns. And Dave pointed it out in The Observer this week, last week, the, pre, the current edition of The 
observer. He pointed it out. He said, he, in his opinion, he says, is AEW desperate for television ratings? Are they in a desperate business position with their broadcast partners? Uh, are they, you know, bleeding money at live events? The reaction, the answer to all of this is no. Business is healthy. You know, live events are improving. Pay-per-view buys, healthy. Um, TV ratings, good. Uh, you know, Warner Bros. Discovery are satisfied enough with the ratings to be giving them two extra hours of programming. One being the all-access thing and then the other rumored Saturday show. Like, there is... There is, there is, Dave's point is that there is no disaster right now. There is no catastrophe happening right now that would require a break glass type of situation, break glass and type of emergency to bring CM Punk back and risk the delicate balance that you have in your locker room right now. TK's going to have to, yes, he is going to have to make a hard decision, but I feel CM Punk this week made it easier for him. Now, there's always the outside chance that this is all a work, right? But this is so far off left field of this even being possibly a work that I can't, I can't seriously entertain it because it, there are so many parties who are not even affiliated with AEW who are involved in this on some level. There's too many moving parts. That this would it would be an unfathomably complex work and as we've mentioned before, a work why would you do a, sh a work shoot then? Why would you do a work shoot in this type of situation? Why would you do it? What's the payoff? What's the money? I, you know, I like to say FTR and CM Punk versus the Elite, that's a money match. But is it the money match? Would you need all of this bullshit to make it such, to, to draw so bad? I don't think so. Do you work your locker room into believing that this was, because that is diminishing returns. Don't work the boys, as they say. You don't do it. It's bad business. And the entire locker room can't be in on it. Because then that would be leaked, unquestionably. I know a lot of people would... I know a lot of people would love CM Punk to return. And... Personally, it, it, it just, it jars my mother's preserves that he has created this situation for himself again. And this only compounds that this cloud that CM Punk carries with him is real and it will always be there. And regardless of where he goes, it will always follow him. It will always get in his own way. And this is unfortunately his legacy. One of the, one of the oh, most popular yeah. wrestlers to ever do it. To be hindered by himself. 
from really, truly achieving the heights, the highest heights of this business, the highest heights that he was probably destined for. And that's really, really, that really fucking sucks when you think about it. It is now time to get into the previews of the big WrestleMania weekend coming up. All sorts of shows happening, but we're going to start with the with the catalyst, the nugget, the 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 the, the center that attracts everything else. WWE WrestleMania 39 happening from well, you know they say Hollywood, but it's actually in Inglewood, California. The SoFi Stadium is. It's in Inglewood. It's not. It's not in LA. It's not in uh it's not in Hollywood either. It's in Inglewood. But, you know, April 1 and 2, 2023. This is a, a Triple H's first WrestleMania, right? Triple H's first WrestleMania. There's a lot of eyes on this one. Um, a lot of people very curious at how this one's going to turn out because, uh, yeah, and I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure. I'm sure he has to, he feels he has to deliver business wise. It is already a financial success. There is no, no question about it. We, we cannot even remotely consider that this is a hum, uh, you know, a bit of a miss, a bit of a misstep. No, we've got... 65,000 tickets sold per night at the SoFi Stadium. And it will, you know, we're going to get a press release on Monday that's going to say that, the, you know, it'll probably end up being the most watched WrestleMania of all time on Peacock, right? But I'll wait. I'll wait for that to happen. You all, you, y'all already know the analysis. My A-plus audience, me, the, 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 the D-list podcaster with the A-plus audience. You already know what the analysis about that's going to be. You already, you're already hip to that. You're keen to that because you think about these things. So we know why it's going to be the biggest one on Peacock, you know, biggest, most watched WrestleMania of all time. We know this. So uh, a, 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 an absolute success business-wise for the company. So that's, you know, that's one notch that Triple H has already uh, on his uh, belt, on his bedpost. What's better, having a notch on your belt or a notch on your belt on your bedpost? I personally, it would be bedpost for me. You know, I think that's that that's pretty cool. Also, a little weird. Um, but on paper, though, I'm not sure that this is a notch for anything, because I think this is one of the most mid. WrestleMania builds, I've seen in a while. Um, there's, I think, look, there's a lot of build here, right? And I think this is, this is something that we don't often talk about when we get into the where's the build discussions, right? And here's something we don't often talk about. Um, there is build, but... Is the build good? Is the build making the match hotter? Is the build making the match more interesting? This is a the quantitative as opposed to the qualitative. 
is usually discussed. There is no build, there is build. But then when you start talking about the nitty gritty of the build, and I'm, I will agree to this, it becomes, it becomes a more of a question, it becomes a lot more subjective. But I think it is difficult to argue that the builds to WrestleMania have been good. I think it is difficult to sit here and say, yeah, this shit rocks. And I think that it's interesting from the fan base that usually cries out, where's the build? That they don't lean into the builds more. As It seems like, well, bare minimum is being done. That's all I need. Because nothing has happened really in most of these builds. Just promos and more promos and someone showing up on the other show and doing more promos. Hell, Bianca and Asuka weren't even on the show last night. They they did, yeah, they did the pre-tape thing with, uh, you know, with the sit-down interviews and all that. But they weren't on the show. Neither was Austin Theory, who gave us flashbacks to the Thunderdome era. Jesus fucking Christ. As if I needed that. Austin Theory is in an... But look, you can argue that he's in a match with John Cena. Doesn't need build. He's just fighting John Cena. And I... I can completely get behind that. You're facing one of the, you're facing WWE's biggest, most popular superstar right now in John Cena. You, you don't need months of build. I'd be hypocritical if I were to say, where's the build in this way? You don't need it. So it, it's weird to have Austin Theory. Look, and it's weird to have Austin Theory on the go home show, cutting a promo in front of no one, you know? What what were they trying to hide here? I don't know. Look, so you know, if I look and right now, you know, I'm you know, recording this live, of course, as I usually do, and I you know throw throw it out to the community. How excited are you for WrestleMania? Look, fifty percent of the audience are giving it a thumbs up. I'm excited, while the other fifty percent are shrugging, and I am absolutely on the shrugging side. I'm not excited for it. I don't think it's a terrible show. I don't like one where I'm like, no, this is going to be a disaster because there's interesting stuff nonetheless, but it's a very mid card. It's, <laughs> it's very mid, very, very average. As a casual WWE fan, the ideal WWE fan, of course, as we all know. Uh, this one doesn't do it for me. I'm not like on pins and needles waiting for this. Of course, this is headlined and, and and here's the thing on top of it right it's like before we get into the matches themselves here's the other thing is that there's only a couple of matches that have been set you know in in the timeline of nights one and two right i'm just gonna hit up the um uh, i'm just gonna hit up the wrestlemania uh card here just to make sure there hasn't been anything that's been announced that i'm not aware of well night one seems to be fleshed out pretty pretty well right night one seems to be pre fleshed out pretty well but night two there's only one match on the card 
One match that's been announced, I should say. The main event. The big one. The Roman Reigns match. And, uh, and you know, let's talk about this offline, particularly with Kristen, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I've mentioned this before as well. You know, they can do whatever they want with the card. They can put whoever we, they want. Like, there are so many arguments. There are so many arguments online as to whether, oh, Sammy, Sammy and, and Kevin should main event why why does it matter who cares at this point at this point it doesn't matter and WWE knows it doesn't matter they can do whatever they want with the card put whoever they want first and last and anywhere in between because they already have the money they have all your money they have the ticket money and they have the peacock licensing they've got nothing to do to hype this up. They're not, in, they're not in the business of selling pay-per-views anymore. That is a blip. It, a blip. On their revenue streams. What are we talking about? They have the licensing deals. SoFi Stadium has been sold out for months. Or close to. It's not a complete sellout. But you know what I mean. 65,000 tickets. These were all sold way before. Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns was announced. We're, we're, we're picking up stragglers at this point. It's going to be, it's going to be walk-in business at this point. So they can, they can fill this with whatever they want. And that to me is an argument as to, is a testament as to why they don't necessarily try anymore to, do any type of real promotion, real build to their matches because they're like, who cares? Who cares? We have all the money. We're good. We just need to drop one match for you. And this is the match, Cody and Roman. So of course, this is the big one. This is the, this is the one that... I'm going to start patting myself on the back here. But then, patting myself on the back, but not taking a victory lap just yet. Now, I'm going to start patting myself on the back because my what I had said was going to happen is exactly, has happened all the way through to WrestleMania. When Cody Rhodes came out at WrestleMania last year and I saw his presentation, I saw the grand entrance they gave him what did I tell all of you, my beautiful A-plus audience? I told you all that this is the man that is going to dethrone Cody Rhodes. They've earmarked him from this point on. This is the man. And I told y'all he's going to win the Royal Rumble and he's going to win at WrestleMania. And I'm still standing by that. And I would even go as far as to say the injury was a blessing in disguise. Because the only thing that could have sunk Cody Rhodes was a, was a, a, a was classic, typical WWE booking from the summer all the way to January. Could you have imagined that strip of time 
with Cody having to deal with WWE um, uh, with WWE angles and whatnot, I think there would have been a fair chance for his heat to die down. To die down, excuse me. But it never had a chance to. He got injured. People were disappointed. He did the heroic comeback. People are excited. People got excited to see Cody Rhodes again. He's on top of the world. He's the number one guy right now. He's the top babyface. He's the top babyface in the company right now. No one even comes close. So, I still think Cody Rhodes is the guy who's going to dethrone Roman for all the reasons that I've been talking about for months even before they happened. I was telling you all the way back last spring when he started talking, when he cut his first promo on Raw and he was talking about how Dusty was never able to get the title. I'm here to finish the story. I was like, there you go. There's your through line right there. And they're going to bring that back over and over again. How Dusty was going to, never did it, but he's going to do it for Dusty and he's going to do it for his brother. He's going to be the first Rhodes to do it. And what happened? What happened? That's exactly what happened. So, I'm patting myself on the back right now because I got us this far. Because I know enough about, I've been watching WWE long enough as a casual fan. To know how they book their shit, how this stuff happens, I pick up on their, on their tidbits on their booking patterns that oddly enough are, despite the fact that there's a new head of creative, the booking patterns are still pretty much the same. Huh? Interesting. But despite it all, we're at the point where I said we were, we went down the path I believed we were going to take. Cody wins Royal Rumble, challenges at WrestleMania. If he wins this weekend, I am going to take a victory lap next week. And... You must never doubt me again. Ever. William Davis, nice to see you and welcome. Member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, by the way. But there is an argument to be made for Roman holding on to the title. Why? What is the argument that, that could be made? Here's the argument. Fuck you. That's why. We decide what you, what's going to happen. Again, this is a company that has all the money. It has your money. It has the money already. It doesn't care. They've been pushing this Roman Reigns uh, uh, title run as legendary. Legendary. This is the word that has been used over and over and over again. And I even talked about it in an article over on VoicesOfWrestling.com. You should go check it out. I'm going to talk about nostalgia. And this is, they're already building Roman as the nostalgia star of the future. They don't want to fuck this up. I can absolutely see Roman Reigns continuing the reign of terror after WrestleMania... And then Cody beating him at uh, fucking Backlash. Because then who cares? And I'm not kidding. I can absolutely see that happen. 
because they tell they tell stories, right? They tell stories. So it's not even a question of who should we put the belt on because they're hot right now or because we need to try something else. We need a baby fit. You know, it's like regular wrestling business thought patterns don't apply to them. Otherwise, Sami Zayn would have won the title at Elimination Chamber this year. It was a layup. It was the easiest booking decision to make. And then have the rematch at WrestleMania and that would have been unpredictable. It would have been exciting. It would have, I would have been legitimately excited for this. Nice, legitimate, a, a fantastic swerve, first and foremost, that people would have legitimately got behind. Not a swerve for swerve's sake. Now, conventional wisdom would tell you that Cody is winning. Because everything has been built to that. And that's what makes the most sense. And in the feeling of it, like the gut feeling of what's happening right now in WWE, this is the time to pull the trigger. You, It is a missed opportunity if you wait. But again, this is WWE. And they don't really care about what their audience wants or what they think. It's about their stories. What is the stories that they want to tell? So the, if Cody loses at WrestleMania, they may think that, oh, they're still going to have, they'll be able to squeeze some juice out of this. But I think the audience might turn on Cody. Because WWE can never follow these things up properly. I don't think they followed it up properly with Sami Zayn. I don't think Sami Zayn is as hot as he was heading into Elimination Chamber. I don't think... I'm not saying that he's he's completely lost his steam. But I don't think he's as over. And I don't think Cody will be either if he loses to Roman. I think this, this is it could be a very bad decision for Cody's positioning moving forward. But I can absolutely see them doing this. And Roman coming back on whatever, SmackDown or Raw, whichever show, doesn't matter. And saying the bloodline are still alive and we're still, you know, everyone doubted us. And then, you know, he fires his cousins or whatever, fires Paul Heyman. I'm doing it alone or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, but it's like, absolutely, absolutely could see that happening. But logic, um, booking logic, feeling how everything has been booked up so far in this feud here, everything points to Cody Rhodes winning the title and he should. I, this is, he is as hot, I believe, as he can be because right now, a lot of Cody's heat is coming from the fact that he's gunning for Roman. And the test for the booking and for Cody moving forward after if he wins, if and when he wins, is what, what's the next challenger? But I don't want to do that right now. I want, to, I want to see what happens at WrestleMania before we get into this. Will it be a good, a good match? Look, I think you have two very good storytellers in here. In the sense that 
On top of that, Cody Rhodes is a phenomenal in-ring storyteller. Phenomenal. So we are probably going to get something very compelling, very dramatic, that might be overshadowed by WWE melodrama. That will not be able to, they won't be able to keep their tropes away from really keeping this match from being great. That's what I think. I don't think it's going to be bad by any extent of the imagination. Cody has to come off like a million zillion dollars here because he's the guy who's going to dethrone Roman Reigns. We'll see what happens. And here's a very good point. They did fuck up the Goodfellas parody. I don't know if you knew this. Because in that scene that they are uh, reproducing for, you know, for the WrestleMania thing, uh, Joe Pesci's character is the one who delivers, am I a clown to you? But Joe Pesci is not the mob boss. He's the underboss. He's the, you know... He's the, I don't remember which level of command he was, but he's not the boss. Whereas, um, whereas Roman Reigns is there delivering the, uh, delivering the line, delivering the, you think I'm a clown? Am I funny to you like a clown? I'm, you know, like, at the, did anyone actually watch the show, the movie? Did anyone actually watch the movie? DGMC left a super chat. Thank you very much. He says, uh, let's say Cody never returned to WWE. Who do you think would have been the one to dethrone Roman? Won't ask when because that's too deeply hypothetical. Um, you know, I saw I saw your uh your message a little earlier, DGMC, and I think I think it, it I think a guy like they really had two alternatives, if you ask me. Um, Drew, former champion himself, uh, and looks the part, you know, he's he's got the physique, he's got the charisma. Or Kevin Owens. Those would have those would have been my two options. I know Rollins gets popped up quite a bit, but and I know, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the shield history and so on and so forth. I think Rollins doesn't... The thing is, is that Rollins is a very good challenger for all of these, for for whoever is the new guy coming forward, right? I think, and then you see, we got talk about Big E and Matt Riddle as well. But they're all hypotheticals now. Because Cody's winning. I can't wait to take that victory lap next week. Guys, gals, non-binary pals. Let's get going through this card here. The Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. So this one should be great. Actually should be one of the best matches of WrestleMania. Uh, both nights, I would argue to say that this is probably, this is the one that has the most potential to be a match of the nights. Match the, the best match of WrestleMania. There's no reason this is going to suck. There's no reason for this to suck. These four guys are way too talented. Um, outside of the build and whatnot, you know, um, which seems to be taking a back seat, you know, 
to Roman and Cody. You know, I know a lot of people are really into it. Look, look this is the payoff to... Look, this is the payoff to the Bloodline story. This is what it is. It's not Roman and Cody, right? Roman's not even involved in the payoff to the Bloodline story. This is it here. Because it was for the longest time, it's been about Sammy and, and his inclusion and then the back and forth and how he's always has to prove himself. Again, <laughs> I might have to do another deep dive at some point to just look into the, the story now that we're standing back, but with 2020 vision, but week after week, the bloodline story was always the same thing. It was always like, even, even before Sammy got involved, it was always Roman is pissed off at someone in the group and that person has to prove themselves to Roman. And then they make faces at each other and then they talk about uh, family. It's always been the same thing. So we're getting into a situation here where this is the payoff to the bloodline story, right? Hey, Phantomark, nice to see you, buddy. This is the payoff to the to the to the bloodline tale, right here. It's not. It's it's nothing else. This is it here. So I mean, look. I know there's a you know a lot of there's been a lot of twisty turnsies. And again, this is something I saw coming. And again, it, it, I know a lot of people like to overthink WWE booking, but it's not as much as WWE overthinks its booking. Uh, sometimes they just deliver on the things that that are the most plausible. And the minute that Sammy lost, the path was clear. Sammy, Kevin versus the Usos. I was calling it beforehand even. It would have been Sammy winning. I'm still going to maintain this. Sammy winning at Elimination Chamber would have been a spectacular turn that would have had people buzzing and still buzzing to this day right now. People will still be excited and it would be a very interesting main event. Oh, but Samuel main event. One way or another, you'll see. Well, he hasn't been announced yet. He hasn't been announced yet. Should, when I talked about this last week, should this match main event night one? Yes, I think it should. Should the women main event night one? Yes, I think they should. But if we're talking about which is the hotter match, it's this tag team match unquestionably. So, so this, we're ending up with Sammy doing his, you know, doing his best here to get into a main event spot in a story I feel like over the past few weeks was a little drawn out. I know, you know, we all saw it coming, just pull the trigger on it, but you know, I, WWE fans are very excited about this one. I'm excited because of mostly because of the participants who are in this match. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, this is the blow off to the storyline. This is the blow off to the Bloodline story, and uh, we'll see what happens after moving forward. After that, night one is going to start with Austin Theory versus John Cena for the U.S. Championship. Um, Clearly, John Cena wants to hit the pay window early and hit the bricks. Can't, can't say, 
can't say I, 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 did, I don't have respect for that. I got better things to do. I can't hang around. <laughs> I got to grab an Uber. Take me home. Um, the fact that this match is opening WrestleMania. Is that what they said, right? It is opening WrestleMania. Makes me believe that John Cena is winning, right? Start off the match, bring in, you know, your big guns. Start off the show, you know, you bring in John Cena, crowd goes nuts. He wins the match. People are energized. They're happy. Move into the next one, right? But let's just say, I mean, if Austin Theory wins... Again, it doesn't matter because it's all WWE's plan, right? It's all, it's all part of the plan. He'll probably win, but I can't help but think that John Cena is going to win. Like, before they announced it as being the first match of the car, of the entire weekend, of the two nights, I was convinced... Austin Theory was winning. But the fact that they're kicking off night one with it, I'm like, is the heel really winning the first match off of WrestleMania? And I think that's an interesting booking decision, which again, WWE doesn't care what the audience thinks or feels, right? They're just going to do whatever the hell they want. Because no, it doesn't make sense for part-timer John Cena to win a championship. Unless they have some kind of weird swerve ready here. It doesn't make sense. But then, so, you know, I have just enough sliver of doubt for John Cena to win this. More so than before. And But the other problem that I have is if he wins, you know, Theory has been buried verbally by wrestlers over and over and over again. What is the point of him constantly being buried if he's not going to come out and win big matches, right? Kevin Owens did it. Johnny Gargano did it. John Cena did it. Just burying the guy. Saying everything. We talked about it, at, you know, here on the show. Talking at length of, uh, in regards to how he's not ready for the spot. How, all you know, people, you know, they seem, you know, the, the boss, your boss seems to think that you have it. But these people don't see it and so on and so forth and... And Austin Theory's like, I got something to prove. Like, and it's weird because it's a John Cena's the baby face here, and Austin Theory's the 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 heel. And you'd feel like the roles should be reversed, right? You'd want to cheer for the underdog, Austin Theory, to win the big match, but no, you're you're being conditioned to say this guy sucks. I mean, I absolutely see the 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 promo on Monday the next day where uh, he comes out, he being Austin Theory, and he goes, you know, I proved all my detractors wrong. I beat John Cena. You know, he said I suck. Well, I don't suck. Sure. It'll be a weird way to start WrestleMania. Seth Rollins takes on Logan Paul. Here's your mainstream crossover match for the weekend. A despicable YouTube influencer with a long history of scandal and controversy and scamming his YouTube audience. He fits perfectly into pro wrestling when you think about it. 
I know a lot of people are excited about this match because Logan Paul is, objectively speaking, a bit of a prodigy when it comes to pro wrestling. He's picked it up uh, remarkably well. He's very good at it. He gets it. But uh, I can't stand the guy. And uh, I think he's a terrible person. I don't want him. I don't want him around. I don't want to. I just don't want him around. So I couldn't care less about this. And I think this is a step down for, for Seth. And it's crazy on a night that, you know, I've you know, mentioned this a few times. On a night where WWE always looks for that mainstream acceptance, right? That's what WrestleMania is for them. It's, it's the night where they end up finding, you know, that, that sweet, sweet mainstream attention where they can you know, suckle at the teats of all the, you know, uh, uh, of all the legitimate entertainment reporters coming after them to, you know, to report on the, their, the, the, the WWE superstars and all they're doing, their, their, their doings. Usually they try and trot out the, they try and trot out the mainstream crossover appeal by bringing in crossover stars. They tried really hard to get The Rock this year. Didn't work out. We're settling for Logan Paul. This is it. Like at least Johnny Knoxville last year. Had a, Johnny Knoxville has some, has some oomphs. Has some gumption. Has some recognition. Logan Paul, is a, he's a renowned asshole. A YouTuber. This is the best they could do this year. I think it's uh, pretty telling actually. Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control in a six-woman tag. There's your nostalgia show for the night. Bringing back Trish and Lita. The uh, Lita and Becky Lynch, currently the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. They're not even defending the titles on this one. We're having a, a trios match. So there it is. I don't have much to think about it. Look, I like Trish and Lita fair enough. That's fine. Again, another thing I say, very, very typically for, for, for um, in regards to WrestleMania is, you know, it is a show that is not made for pro wrestling fans. You know, you don't tune into this to watch, you know, the incredible feats of athleticism or, you know, the, a pro wrestling match these are events, they're moments. This is what the WWE audience wants. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of my timeline and it's absolutely fine that I'm really excited that Trish and Lita and Becky are in a tag team. And it's cool, don't get me wrong. And if we want to continue to, and this is good because I think uh, Trish and Lita should continue to be pushed as important uh, uh, factors to the success of women's wrestling in WWE. They should be considered legends. They should be considered important in the canon of WWE. Absolutely. So bring them back. Give them uh, uh, big big spots, big moments. But this ultimately is, again, a bit of a, you know, is a, is a period, as in the punctuation, uh, is, the, is the final period to the final paragraph of a complete booking disaster of damage control 
you doing, King of the North, member of the Mr. Warren Hayshaw channel? Good to see you. You're not in here. But it is a complete uh, uh, slip-up. Because Damage Control came in at SummerSlam hot as hell. That was one of Triple H's big first surprises that people uh, sold, them, sold Triple H for a lot of folks. People were really excited about it. And the idea of having like a dominant stable of three great pro wrestlers. You know, just wrecking face throughout the division. Taking up all the titles. Just being, just being the top tier heel stable. Not even in the women's division, like probably in the whole company. That would have been exciting. And you had the women to pull it off too. But it all went downhill the minute they had the tournament for the women's tag titles and they decided to belt up Raquel Gonzalez and Aaliyah for some unspeakable reason. It was all downhill from that point on. Damage control has never felt like a threat. They have always felt like geeks. Bailey included. And I would even go as far as to say that, be that because of this run, it has cemented Bailey's position as the fourth of the four horsewomen. In WWE's eyes, of course. Because at this point, Bailey, it is clear, she will never be, she will never be the golden chosen one like Charlotte Flair. She will never be a popular underdog like Becky Lynch. She will never be the superstar like Sasha Banks. She will be Bailey, the fourth. Bring it up. Bring it up the rear, no pun intended. But for real though. And it, it's even more disquieting to see how squandered this opportunity was to make Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Shirai make them feel important. Bring up a new crop of pro wrestlers, of, of, of women in, in, in the division, make them feel important, create a longevity. But instead, they just get completely geeked out. And it makes it even more egregious, that's the point I was going to, because we learned this week that Dakota Kai had a standing offer from stardom. And Io Shirai wasn't far behind. And I mean, like I said on the member stream when we talked about this, good for Dakota Kai to have got the offer from stardom, give Trips a call, say, look, I don't know if you have any plans for me, but I'm on my way to Japan. And Trip's like, well, how much how much are they offering you? We'll give you so much more. Good. Good for her for getting the bag. But when you see what happened, and you see how terribly that in the meantime, while damage control was being geeked out, Ronda Rousey was being pushed. 
You got to stop telling me that WWE knows how to take care of the women's division and make it compelling. None of these matches feel hot for the women. I'm not saying they're not going to be good. I'm saying they're not, they don't feel hot. Not a single one of them. And they had the opportunity to make a hot match out the gate with Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. But this match is cold as ice. I argued this. The match that, the, 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 the mixed person tag team match, the mixed match challenge that they had at Elimination Chamber with uh, Rhea Ripley and, and Finn Balor versus Edge and Beth Phoenix should have absolutely ended with Rhea Ripley, the only other person on that card, on Elimination Chamber, who had a WrestleMania match booked, she should have destroyed Beth Phoenix, got the match for, got the win for their team, continued to destroy Beth Phoenix after the feud, after the match, and then tear ass throughout the entire run-up to WrestleMania, beating Jabrones right and left. Bring in enhancement talent, bring in the local talent. It doesn't matter. They had the opportunity to make this hot. But no, what did we do? Promos, promos. Oh, we're so smug with each other. Oh, Dominic is here. This, this is why I can't get behind Triple H's booking. Everyone, see, WWE is so hot right now. It has one hot angle. One thing. And everyone is losing their fucking mind. The bar is in the mud. I'm getting mad now. And now the argument is the women should main event. It should be Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley main eventing night one. And I don't have, I am pro women main eventing WrestleMania. And like I said, who cares? WWE is going to do whatever the fuck they want at this point. It doesn't matter. They're not going to sell more pay-per-views because Charlotte and Rhea is going to be on, on top on night one. Because like I said, they already have all the money. It doesn't matter. But if you ask me as a conventionally speaking, as a booker, you know, as someone who's watched wrestling atop of wrestling on top, you do not put a cold match as your main event. You don't end the show with a cold match. And I love, I, I enjoy Charlotte. I love Rhea Ripley and I think Rhea Ripley has, should win. She has everything she has the she has the ground swell of support and plus she's a good pro wrestler she should win she should get the big singles push but this match is uninteresting just like Bianca Belair versus Asuka this is another match that we should be losing our fucking minds over but instead what have we been treated to over the past few weeks for this build Asuka fucking drooling on herself. That's what it's been. And Bianca just standing there doing what... Be 
because we're we're fucking morons, right? Because we're idiots. Because this is the kind of thing that we that we look like. Wow, mind games. This is not fucking mind games. But it should. I am expecting this match to be a blast. Big match, Oscar, and big match, Bianca. What are you doing? Bianca's had Bianca is on a hot streak of WrestleMania matches. Why would she underdeliver here? Asuka, first time in the, in years that she's been in this position. You don't think she's chomping at the bit for this? Again, not saying the match is going to stink. I'm saying the build to this was garbage. Brock Lesnar versus Omas is probably the only match I'm really excited for. Both. And at first, it was out of morbid curiosity. And I'm really, that being said, I'm really disappointed we're not getting Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt because that was something that I was really, really anxious to see. But Brock Lesnar versus Omas is another like close second contender. And you know what? Modern day 2023 Brock Lesnar not giving a fuck. Tossing referees around when he shouldn't be and so on and so forth. I think this is going to rule. I think this is going to... I think this is going... I don't think we're... I don't think we're going to have some kind of huge revelation in regards to Amos where it's going to be like, oh, he's, you know, the, he's the, you know, the second coming of... Like, he's not prime Andre the Giant. There you go. You know? He's not prime Andre. But Brock... Brock is going to sell... Brock is already selling his ass off for him. Like, this is good. This is... This is going to be the type of spectacle that should be on, on WrestleMania. This is the kind of wrestling match that I'm excited for. And the build has just been... No, I can't say it's been simple because it's been filled with nonsense nonetheless. But the way in last night, which, by the way, what kind of weight class are Brock... And Omas fighting in that a weigh-in is required. Because that what that's what weigh-ins are. To make sure you make weight for your weight class. And I'm like, why are we doing the weigh-in? Why, what's the point here? <laughs> I'm excited. I, I'm legitimately excited to see how this one turns out. I have faith in in modern day Brock Lesnar. If this was 2016 Brock Lesnar, I don't know, but this one here, where he just comes in, he's like, "Yeah, let's goof around, let's let's do shit." Gunter uh, is going to defend his triple his Intercontinental Championship against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Um, the only thing that bums me out here is that this is a three-way triple threat. We can call it a triple threat here in WWE. I like otherwise it doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me. It it, it does uh, nothing for me. Um, and I know a lot of people are excited about it, but I three ways for titles, especially at WrestleMania, build a fucking challenger. It's not hard. Build a challenger. Get honest to God. Sheamus, give him the rematch because 
the match that they had at Clash at the Castle was outstanding. Build, have Sheamus kick the shit out of Drew McIntyre. That's fine. And then have Sheamus beat Gunter. Give him a title because Sheamus has been the workhorse of WWE for, we're going on two years at this point. We're going on two years at this point. And this dude needs flowers. Now is this the, uh, but why aren't it is to protect Gunter? Is one of the other guys are going to take the pin. I, who cares? Have your challenger beat the champion. It is not that hard. And there's Finn Balor and Edge in a hell in a cell. Like, and, and now the demon, it's going to be demon Finn. So are we supposed to hate the demon now? I don't know. This one's for moment lovers. This this one is for moment lovers. Um, can we at least agree that there's no reason for Edge to win here? I think we can all agree. But look, it's the demon. The demon has... Uh, I, I think the demon still has a... No, he has one blemish, right? The on On his record. The one where he faced Roman Reigns and the turnbuckle snapped, right? That's the... That is the uh, the only blemish on uh, on his record. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic. I I couldn't. Again, this is a, a lot of WWE fans are into it. Oh, Dominic's improving. I'm gonna hear this Dominic's improving thing for the next five years, aren't I? Oh, he's getting so much better. I still think he stinks. I, I he has no instincts for pro wrestling. Now he's probably going to go through a highly choreographed match with his dad who's going to guide him through this and he's probably going to go through a a very pinpoint precise match just like the matches he had with Seth that everyone thought were so great when when you look back and you watch him and it's like oh okay they, all of the all, everything was super planned out and again I don't have a problem with matches being planned out uh, fucking uh, Macho Man Randy Savage planned out all of his matches to a T it doesn't matter but the point being here is that Dominic needs this because he stinks yeah, I don't think he'll ever be good. I can't stand him. I can't stand... He doesn't carry himself like a wrestler. He doesn't look like a star. He doesn't feel like one. He, you know, he, everyone's like, oh, the promos he cut on his mom. It, it, it's basic stuff. It's fine. He should be able to do that. He's not a great promo. He's got no charisma. We, we like... A lot of people are ironically still loving the prison dom stuff and there's nothing I can do about it. And then for some reason we have showcase fatal four-way tag team matches. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus... Uh, uh, have they announced the final team? Is it... Uh, it's uh, Chelsea Green and... Um, let me see here. Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Like who cares? And uh, bronze, and then another showcase match with Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raider. Again, who cares? And then the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Again, who cares? They do this thing every year where it's like I'm in the I'm in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. You know, kickstart my career. No careers have been kickstarted from the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Half of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winners aren't even with WWE anymore, so. 
there's a WrestleMania for you. Uh, that's my preview. <laughs> um, you know, if you're excited for this, I'm you know all the more power to you. I mean, you know, like, like everything, you know, pro wrestling is for. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different shades here. You can enjoy it as much as as you like. There's just there's a lot of stuff in WWE that I, that just doesn't do it for me in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna watch it. Like you know, it's the Super Bowl. You sit down and you watch it, even if you're even if your teams got eliminated. You sit down and you watch it. And uh, I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised. I think the bar for me, the, the my expectations are pretty low, so it, they could only go up they they have all the room here to to make me get excited and let's you know let's go down this wwe train another matchup another show this wrestlemania weekend that's also happening is nxt stand and deliver that's happening on april 1st in the afternoon right if i'm not mistaken uh like around 2 p.m eastern something like that this one is in los angeles though that's in la not in inglewood at crypto arena crypto.com arena they're regretting that. <laughs> the, the owners of the building are regretting labeling it like that. But in LA, um, headlined, of course, by Braun Breaker, NXT champion defending against Carmelo Hayes. This is the part we strip Braun of the belt, right? This, this is it, right? This is the moment where we do it, right? Because this is the moment. This is the moment where we just have to bring it all to a, a, an end and just like, that's it. We're good. We've been good for months when it comes to to Braun. I don't even watch NXT on the regular basis. I watch the shows and even watching the, the main shows, I don't understand. I don't understand what, what the thing is. I'll say exactly what I said, I believe, uh, at the last pay-per-view, which wasn't Deadline. I like Deadline. What was the last one? St. Valentine's Day Massacre. What was it? Valent Violent Day. I Look, what, whatever the last NXT PLE was, the, the cage match, the atrocious cage match with Grayson Waller. Braun came in, came in hot during the pandemic, brought a different type of energy, an energy that was solely missing in these fucking empty arena shows, these fucking empty warehouse shows. He was colorful. He had the pedigree. He reminded us of Scott and Rick and everyone got excited. Everyone got excited and WWE who... Always tells us, oh, we don't pay attention to what is happening on the tweeters. You know, uh, they uh, they uh, suddenly they 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 saw that they, this guy was getting some hype, so they pushed, 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 pushed him too soon, way too soon. Uh, a lot of his weaknesses were exposed. One being, he's got no, he doesn't have a connection with the audience. He's you know charisma deficient. I'm not saying it's absent. I'm saying that whatever he can bring to the table will take years to exploit. So he's not there yet. And he's had this title for, I think, I believe 62,000 years. So I think it's time for us to take, a, take it off of him. I legitimately thought Grayson Waller was the guy to do it because Grayson Waller uh, has everything that Braun doesn't have. And he had, I thought he was, he was one of the shining um, shining stars of the deadline match. I thought everything he did psychologically in that match was impeccable. And his work is good. So this is it. Like he was, Braun pushed to the moon, nobody cared. Grayson Waller, okay, he wasn't the plan. 
The plan was Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo has the charisma. Carmelo has the talent. He's got all the tools. Like he legitimately has the tools to the point that I'm like, why is this kid still in developmental? Kid. But why is he still in developmental? I mean, Braun, Braun Breakar's title reign was a failure. It didn't draw business. He didn't push merch. This was just WWE, no, you know, nose up against the wall saying, nope, nope, we're pushing this kid. We're pushing this kid. There's no one else. When they could have tried anything else. But they continued to insist, right? Insist that this is the guy. Oh, we'll have him beat main roster guys. We'll have him beat fucking Jinder Mahal. I don't know how that says badge of honor. I'm pretty sure Bo Dallas has a win over Jinder Mahal. Like, who cares? Dolph and, 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 and then Ilya Dragunov. And, and I'm like, this is insane. They tried. They gave us the hard sell on Braun Breaker. Did not work. Carmelo, he's a fan favorite. Despite the fact that he's a heel. He's a heel, right? Anyway, get the title off of Breaker. What else is on this card? Johnny Gargano versus Grayson Waller in an unsanctioned match. I, I, I think the story here is... Grayson Waller started to feud with Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels picked a champion to stick up for him and it's Johnny Gargano and then Grayson Waller went to attack Johnny Gargano at his house. It, I, that's the feud, right? I mean, Gargano can't win here either, right? There's another thing that we're going to have. We're... The Gargano experiment on main roster isn't working out, isn't it? Terrible, terrible, shitty booking, again. See, that's the thing, it's like, hey, Joe Poonai Jr., nice to see you, buddy, welcome. See, that's the thing, is that Johnny is a guy who got himself over because of his work rate. Got himself over because of the work. If you try and have him lean into the character stuff a little too much, it's like, the, the 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 adorable geeky thing will get you will 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 get you so far, you know what I mean? Zoe Stark and Gigi Dolan, no, excuse me, Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Indy Hartwell, Lyra Valkyria, that rolls off the tongue, and Tiffany Stratton are in a uh, are in a ladder match to crown the next NXT Women's Champion because uh, Roxanne Perez. Passed out. I, I, again, I'm not quite sure what the story is. I haven't been watching, um, but I, it's, a, it's not a shoot. The way they, the, the, the way they handled the angle at the fan at the end of the match, that was not a shoot. We gave it too much TV time. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't have been shooting camera angles and that. So I, I don't know why Roxanne Perez is out. I don't know why she had to relinquish the title. Uh, I um, Oh, Roxanne was added tonight. She was at breaking news. God bless Joe Puna and AK Germany 96 who, who trudged through 
the Merc of NXT to keep me informed of the latest developments as we're recording this. So she's back from injury. She's thrown into this. Well, she's winning her title back. <laughs> that, that's it. That's just it. I don't know why. Uh, um, uh, 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 I don't know why uh, they they added um, Gigi Dolan in here and not JC Jane. Because JC Jane... And you see, this is where WWE booking fails again. JC Jane had so much heat. So much heat. Blasting Dolan's hair ahead through the door. The turn. It was fantastic. And she's improved so much. Like, she really is a standout from the toxic attraction stuff. Why is she not in this match? Why is Lyra Valkyria in this? I, look, again, I don't watch, but the, you know, if you're asking me, I'm I'm strapping up Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark rules. She's always ruled. She's a great pro wrestler. But now that Roxanne is back, well, she's winning her title. It's fine. Wesley is uh, defending the North American title against JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov. Dragon Lee making his debut and Axiom. Um, I again see there's so many people on this fucking card for no reason. Why aren't why can't we just have challenge? There's one singles match on this entire show. Two, sorry. One of them is unsanctioned, so it doesn't count. There's two singles matches. Everything else is multi-person matches. Even the tag, even the even the tag team match is a multi-tag, multi-man, multi-person, multi-team match. We know you want to strap up Dragon Lee. Just have Wesley versus Dragon Lee. I watched Ilya versus JD McDonough from last week. It fucking ruled. It, it right up my alley. I thought it was great. Great match. You know, no one believes Axiom is going to do this. Axiom is a perennial loser. It's, what are we doing? Why are we having five people in this match? This is nonsense. This is nonsense. Oh, wait. We do have one proper tag team match. Fallon Henley and Kiana James versus Alva Fire and Isla Dawn for the tag team titles. I, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less about the Creed Brothers versus Gallus versus... Uh, Channing Lorenzo and Tony D'Angelo for the uh, NXT titles and Chase U and Tyler Bate versus the Schism and it's a mixed match affair because Thea Hale is in here and so is uh, Ava Rain <laughs> Scripts was robbed right you put all of your guy. you put 78% of your roster on this on this one show and you can't put on scripts. Can't wait to bury this uh, card next week. <laughs> Spoiler. I'm so I'm so like I I want to be as objective as possible and I want to give everything a chance but when I look at this stuff I look at this, like, it is so 
not made for me. It's not made for wrestling fans. I don't know who this is for. I don't know who this is for. Here's a good point. What happened? We have some NXT viewers in the audience right now. I know. Doing this live on Thursday, on Tuesday night. Um, what happened to Apollo Crews and Baba Tunde and uh, uh, Dabakato? Commander Aziz. Weren't they supposed to have a, a big blow-off match? Or has this happened? Did this go down? Because I had predicted that this was going to happen at at Stand and Deliver, right? Apollo Crews versus his fir- former protege, Babatunde, right? But it's not on the card. God bless for the the little victories in life. Has this been blown off? Can anyone confirm? Yes, no, maybe. It doesn't matter, really. But honestly, like, I, I, I try my best. I don't want to keep an open mind, but I look at this card and I'm like... This is nothing. This is nothing. Just and, and 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 there's people on this show. There are people on this show who are heads and tails. Oh, it happened two weeks ago. Okay, well, I got we got we got the big Baba Tunde Apollo Cruz blow off. But there are people on this card. No joke who are above this level of booking. And I'll let you pick them out. You already know who they are. There are people booked on this card who have no business being booked in these positions. So, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, again, look, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready to tear into this match next week. First and foremost, because, all I see is, you know, a flat line. But at the same time, the bar is so low for my expectations, I'll probably be surprised. Now, one card that I am convinced is going to deliver is Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, which is happening on March 31st, last day of the month. And with a card which is arguably which has a very good chance, a high chance of being the show of the entire WrestleMania weekend. Headlined, so this is taking place at the Galen Center in Los Angeles, not in Inglewood, actually in Los Angeles. Don't make Shawn lose this. Shawn Michaels blocked me on Twitter, so I, I, I think he already lost, for me, he's already lost his smile. This is headlined by Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castagnoli defending against Eddie Kingston. There is no reason why this match should not rule. These guys are pals, regardless of what how this was built and how, how they've been conducting themselves for the past few years. Um, uh, this should rule. Uh, I am um, I'm excited to see how this is going to go. This should be very brutal, very violent. I think both guys are going to lean into each other uh, fantastically. Eddie is a is a great in-ring storyteller as well. And Eddie has been on a streak of very good matches uh, in 2022 so far. I don't think he's had, in 2022, uh, 2023, excuse me. In 2023 so far, he has not missed 
he's had he's really had a string of very good matches. Anyway, the, the stuff in New Japan, you know, his his retirement, his retiring of of, of Jay White from uh, or or kicking Jay White out of New Japan, that was a fantastic match. That if you haven't seen, you should go out of your way to see it. I thought it ruled. This has all the this has all the trappings of going back to some old Ring of Honor uh, habits as well. You know, just guys laying into each other and doing some wild shit. Uh, I'm sure they're going to do this uh, do this well. I'm very excited for this main event. It's not the match I'm most excited for on this card. I think you already know which one, uh, but um, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki for the Ring of Honor Women's World Title match. World Title as well. Uh, in a really stacked weekend like we're getting, you could you can sometimes forgive that certain matches are flying under everyone's radar but this yuka and athena going ham on each other in a ring of honor environment i know we're excited for the other that one other match on this card I know we're getting Masha Slamovich versus Zsa Kong. I know we're, you know, Bianca and Asuka. I, yeah, sure. And and in an environment this over the weekend that, and Kristen can attest to this, in an environment where women's matches are few and far between on multiple uh, 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 weekend, um, on, on multiple uh, 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 shows over the weekend. I don't think we realize how special this one can be. This one really has the potential to be, to be fantastic, and, and and I think that part of what's driving me to get excited about this is that Yuka in Japan, as opposed to Yuka in the United States, is a beast. In in Japan, in TJPW, she just wrecks face. She runs in and she destroys people. She's not all smile. Like she's actually, you know, she's in a bit of a dark period. She's been in a dark period, very seething, very angry Yuka. And she's violent as fuck. So get her in here with Athena, who's that that's her thing too, right? Athena's like, I'm done being, you know, all smiles and uh uh I'm done being all smiles and fucking around being cool with everyone. Nah, I'm going to wreck shit up. I'm going to destroy some people. We should not sleep on this match. I'm I I I I think there's a lot of potential for this match to be really really good. I'm excited to see the, the Athena's warm-up match against Emi Sakura, which should honestly be a a tell as to what's going to happen to Yuka. Emmy's, Emmy and AEW these days has just been outstanding. Outstanding stuff. We're going to get a um, world, uh, a Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match on a ladder. A ladder match, of course. Because we always need more ladder matches. It's the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Of course, Mark Briscoe a few weeks ago uh, vacated the Ring of Honor tag team title. So it's up for grabs. Top flight, the kingdom, the Lucha Bros, Aussie Open. 
and uh, Jalistico and Rouge, representing La Faction Ingobernable, um, are going to be going at it. This is probably... <clears throat> this is probably the match of the Ring of Honor card, which has me the most um, down because um, too many people and a ladder match. Um, I'm... I'm I'm still burnt out on ladder matches. I'm I'm still calling for a moratorium on ladder matches for at least 18 months. Uh I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um so the now let's compound this with the quality of tag teams that are in here. Just this is a who's who. And and yes, I'm throwing Matt Taven and Matt, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett into this because they've been solid. They've been so incredibly solid. This is a who's who of, of tag teams in North America right now. I don't know what to tell you. This is exciting. Look at this talent. Top Flight, which are, you know, they're the future. Got the Kingdom, who are stalwarts, just solid fucking workers. A great tag team, despite the, despite the fact that I like to make fun of Matt Taven. Can't take can't take away how great his tag team with Mike Bennett is. Lucha Bros are just two of the greatest to ever do it. Aussie Open are just continuing to cement their position as two of the greatest to ever do it. And Dedalistico and Roosh, what are we even talking about? If look, if Roosh wants to work, if he shows up to work, he's got his working boots on. Look. It's going to be a this we're we're all in agreement. This is the spot fest, right? This is the one where people are just going to do crazy shit, and that's on one part cool. The other part that bugs me is that the ladders are involved, because then I I, I always feel people try too hard with the with the ladders since we've seen so many ladder matches so often over the past few years. People are just trying so hard to create new new spots, new things to do, new creative ways to get ladder you know, to, to 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 get the, the the gimmick over. And sometimes you feel like they're trying too hard. Sometimes you're like, man, just just do shit. Just do stuff. Like to a degree, I probably would have been a little more. I think it would have been a little more interesting. How about we had? What if we would have had just a simple, plain old Texas? Tornado match, or just a plain old tornado match, right? Doesn't have to be from Texas necessarily, but a tornado tag team match, elimination style. Wouldn't that have been wild? That would have been. That would have ruled. And Ray Phoenix would have found a way to jump off a of shit, you know, and, and and Dante Martin too, and 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 Jalistico and Roosh would do crazy shit, and Mark Davis had pummeled the shit out of people regardless. The lat. Ladders. I'm so done with ladder matches. So done. And I can understand. I can appreciate that this is a me problem because I watch a lot of wrestling and I can't stand to watch ladder matches anymore. I can, I, you know, I, I can understand that this is a, I can understand that this is a, a me thing. Nonetheless, looking forward to watching the match, but this is the one that has me, that doesn't have me on pins and needles as much as... El Hijo del Vikingo taking on Commander for the AAA Mega Title, 
Who cares about the fucking mega title? Do you care? I don't care. Triple A barely cares about the mega title regardless. I'm here for this outstanding piece of work. This this match of of the century. This is two of the absolute beasts in Lucha Libre out there right now. And they're going to be doing it one on one. Sure they're doing the they're 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 doing the Mike Hitchcock uh, uh, the, the the Mark Hitchcock memorial with Black Taurus on top of that, but we're talking one on one. We're talking in Ring of Honor on this on this. Co- I, I legitimately cannot say anything, anything more, anything more specific. Any I can't go too much. It, 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 I, I can't go any deeper to get excited about this than just naming these two guys' names and saying these are having they, they they're having a one-on-one match. And look at how clever Tony Khan was with this. Right? Look at how clever he was. A couple of weeks ago we have Commander. Right? What was it in a, he was in the the he was in the ladder match, right? I don't remember the context, but he was on he was on AEW television. Hit that fucking rope walk spot that just blew everyone's goddamn mind. And now he's on Ring of Honor. Vikingo, two weeks ago, no build. (laughs) And now he's on the pay-per-view. You're not telling me that this is, this, that's using... That's using your booking. That's using your booking brain right there. Well done. I, I, this could absolutely be this. This this is absolutely in the early running for match of the weekend. If they let these two guys do do lucha things, it's gonna be crazy. Two of the absolute best lucha. Uh, wrestlers out there two of the absolute best and honestly like title no title I don't give a shit Vikingo commander what are we even doing that's that's the pay-per-view sale on its own right there Oh, this show, man, is going to be fantastic. And if that wasn't enough, Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe for the uh, Ring of Honor World Television title. I think Mark wins. I think Samoa Joe does the job. And I think Mark picks up the title. Absolutely 100%. I think it it's the feel-good moment we all want, right? It's the feel-good moment we all want. Um, it'll make sense. It'll make everyone, it'll be a good tear jerking moment. And this is not like the other company where they're going to no, we got to stick to this plan that we have. And we're going to stretch this out. No, it's like, now's the time to deliver. Now's the moment to just like come in and be like, yeah, this is, this is the good one. This is where we pull because Tony has a history of this. He has a history of doing that. And I think Mark is just going to be, he's going to be a complete lunatic. Mark Briscoe, complete lunatic in this match. 
Samoa Joe's going to be a monster. I'm, ex I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this whole card. Like, I, the Super Card of Honor is that I'm absolutely watching it live. There's a lot of stuff on Friday night where I'm like, man, man. But Super Card of Honor is the one I'm watching live. I can't, I just, I can't skip out on it. I can't miss it. What else should you be watching this weekend? I'll tell you. I was talking about the the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show. That's happening this Thursday. Again, in Los Angeles, California, at the Globe Theater. It's headlined by, by Kingo versus Black Taurus versus Commander. I, talk, uh, I, I, I talked about that a little earlier. Well, it's, like, it's likely the main event. And again, likely one of the matches of the weekend. Vikingo is wrestling four matches, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and easily two of them have the potential to blow everything out of the water. Um, so that's going to be a great one. I mean, this whole card is really great. Um, uh, Shigeru Iri, who is the winner of the WXW 16 Carat Tournament, uh, is uh, going to be at WrestleMania weekend this uh, this year and he's taking on Mike Bailey this year's Battle of Los Angeles winner so the two winners of arguably the two biggest tournaments in pro wrestling uh on the indies anyway maybe you know G1 um Erie is a you know a, a DDT stalwart that's where he's mostly known from and I think there's a lot of I think a lot of people are going to uh, discover this guy this weekend and this match is another one that has the potential to be another match of the weekend because uh, Bailey has been systematically doing that Bailey was the MVP of Wrestlemania weekend last year he's not wrestling as much he doesn't have to this year what are you talking about but um, this is going to be one to keep your eye on we also got the United Empire trio of Jeff Cobb Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis taking on Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and Kushida, aka Time Machine, has a lot of potential to be a lot of fun, and it warms my, it warms my heart to see Alex Shelley and Kushida still being buds. It it just gets me right here. Old timers, Ultimo Dragon, and Negro Casas are fighting each other. Not in not in CMLL, not in AAA. In this is legitimately a big match for lucha fans. This is a big one. It's a big time match with a uh, two of the all time greats. TJPW ten women special feature. It's gonna be a. I don't think anyone's been announced, or if they've been announced, I haven't seen it. I apologize, but that that's gonna be a blast. A little Joshi, uh, a, 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 a little Joshi spectacular here. And we have Brian Keith and Kenta taking on Tom Lawler and a to-be-announced partner, unless it's already been announced. There's been a lot of breaking news tonight. Um, first, Lawler's partner was supposed to be Davey Richards. Then Davey Richards happened, so that's not working. Then it was supposed to be Josh Alexander, who got injured. So all that's left for Tom Lawler is to call in Brian Alvarez. Pretty Brian Alvarez to get the job done. Then we get, uh, we also have Ares Latigo and Toxin versus Aramis, Galeno Del Mal, and Ray Horace. 
more Lucha action on this one, plus Rocky Romero versus Michael Oku. And this is a good, this is a good card. This is a good show. What is it? It's on High Spots, I believe. High Spots Network. Look, if, if you're on the fence between, you know, on Friday night watching uh, the Hitchcock Memorial Show and um, Ring of Honor, I don't blame you. These are some hard decisions to make. Um, couple of other matches, maybe that uh, that are maybe uh, that you know I I feel like uh, should be on your watch list. Starting on Thursday, March thirtieth, GCW's uh, Bloodsport, or at least I should say Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, promoted by uh, GCW, of course. Um, uh, that's again, like I said, on March thirtieth uh, from the our Ukrainian Cultural Center, the hub of GCW this weekend. Uh, main evented by John Moxley versus. Alex Coughlin, um, which was supposed to be John Moxley versus Davy Richards, uh, and Coughlin picking up the challenge, coming in an unlikely challenger for Moxley. But I think, look, this is going. This is a potential breakout moment for Coughlin to just show up and have a brutal fight with Moxley. Uh, you know, I know, you know, I myself make fun of his, you know, his cyborg gimmick and his gear, which I think is a little hokey. But the guy is, the guy's a beast. He's strong as hell and he's a brawler. So this is actually a, this, this actually turns out to be a really interesting pairing and one which is fresh we've never seen before and especially in the context of a barnet you know i understand of a, of a blood sport i should say i i would say you know i would i would argue that anyone who says oh it should have been a bigger name it's a fair argument right i th- i think it's a fair stipulation it's a fair argument to 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 say we should have gotten someone bigger sure but I think this is the most interesting one. And you've got Coughlin who's going to come in here with something to prove. And that is going to be worth a million bucks here. I think that's really interesting. I think it's a really interesting pairing. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And then I think, you know, the big attraction for this for this card here is Speedball Mike Bailey being the first opponent... For Kota Ibushi since departing New Japan Pro Wrestling, I I don't know how many how many days Kota Ibushi has not wrestled, but I mean this fucking rules. And Kota Ibushi coming back to wrestle in a his first match, coming back. To fight in a blood sport match is the most Kota Ibushi thing you could think of. And the wild thing here is that, like, this is this is a bit of a dream match to a degree, right? We oh we we should we have to be careful. We shouldn't throw that around too much. Might might get the casuals mad. Think of someone. Think of the casuals. 
But legitimately though, I don't think anyone who follows, you know, wrestling, you know, the, the, the extended universe of pro wrestling isn't excited at the idea of Mike Bailey and Kota Ibushi going one-on-one. This is going to rule. And if, if Ibushi is 100% like, he's, like he thinks he is, or like he says he is, and like we expect him to be, Jesus, it, Bailey's in for a rough night because Ibu hits hard. Not that Bailey can't, but Jesus, this is going to be raucous. I am so excited. Here's another one not to sleep on. Bad dude Tito versus Yuya Yumura. This is good. Two real, just hoss fight. Let's go. Killer Kelly versus Marina Shafir, both in their environment. You know, they both have MMA experience. They both have the mat stuff. Let's go. And we got Jeff Cobb taking on Calder McColl. Fantastic. Timothy Thatcher and Josh Barnett. It, that's going to be a hoot. That's going to be hilarious. It could, but it could also just be like, you know, a, you know, a grapple, a, a Timothy Thatcher grapple match where at some point you're just like, oh, fuck off. Eric Hammer versus Calvin Tankman, Divi Boy Smith Jr. versus J.R. Kratos, and Johnny Bloodsport versus Royce Isaacs. I like Royce Isaacs. I really do. Why did he get saddled with fucking John Morrison? <laughs> the top of this card is fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff throughout, but I mean, it's a top-heavy card. You know, interesting undercard. I know, you know, I know that there's a contingent of people who are also burnt out on um, uh, on shoot style. I'm not. <laughs> I'm st- not when you can get good stuff like this. I'm I'm down for it. And we have uh, another one that uh, should be on your radar. Of course, is Janella's Joey Janella's Spring Break. Which is on, um, which is on the thirty uh, first. So on the Friday, but I believe it it's after the Ring of Honor show, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a bunch of stuff here. We've got Cody Ibushi versus Joey Janela, because um, because of course. <laughs> Because Joey has to book himself into these things. And and you know what? He should. And you know what? You know, I I really like I really like Joey Janela. And I think he he I think he works hard. I think he's a I think he's good. Uh I think he's a good pro wrestler who uh you know who works people enough that they don't realize, which is weird to say, uh, that they don't realize that he's uh that he's good at it and he's he's going he's going to be perfect in this position against against Kota Ibushi who is just as wild and they're probably going to let loose like I would not sleep on this match I would not sleep on this card I think this has a lot of potential I think this is going to be a blast
We get Maki Ito and Nick Gage teaming up in Maki Death Kill. They're taking on Bussy, Effie and Ali Catch. I mean, look, you know, you know, Janela's Janela's uh, um, Janela's springs spring breaks are, uh, you know, full of. All sorts of stuff. Like, I'm surprised there hasn't been a clusterfuck announced. But I kind of feel like that's going to happen, you know, that, that that's going to happen, period. It's, it's going to be a surprise. No one saw it coming kind of thing. But, uh, you know, Bussy versus Maki Death Kill. You don't go there for the five-star classic. This isn't what it's for. It ain't going to be it. You're there for Nick Gage and Maki Ito interacting with each other. Then we're getting Mike Bailey versus El Hijo del Vikingo in another potential match of the weekend. Like I said, you know, Vikingo is not, he's not hitting the circuit. He's not wrestling 12 times with the matches that he's got, brother. And then uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban are going to take on the duo of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. They're going to be defending, uh, they being the Motor City Machine Guns, are going to be defending the GCW Tag Team titles. I think there's a fair, there's a substantial shot for Oliver and Nick Wayne to pick up the titles. Um, they've been pushing the, the GCW has been putting a lot of, uh, they've been putting a lot of gasoline on the East West Express uh, train. So I think that might be interesting. Look, uh, I think spring, you, you, you watch spring break for Bailey and Vikingo and for Ibushi and Janela. And then another one I want to point out real quickly, uh, Prestige Wrestling is going to be running a, a show uh, again on Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific. So it's going to be at the same time as um of course right the gcw shows you can watch them on your fight uh on fight tv on the fight plus um subscription whereas the prestige show you can watch it on iwtv that's going to be running at the same time as the ring of honor show but this is still a very solid card that they have set up here uh Mio yamashita will be taking on taya valkyrie masha slamovich versus Aja kong which i am Excited for another one. I'm excited for Kevin Blackwood taking on Shigeru Irie. Irie, I think it's Irie. Shigeru Irie again. That should be great. Ultimo Dragon and the Time Splitters taking on the Team Filthy group of Tom Lawler, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. Then we've got the LA Dojo Boys, Clark Connors, Yuya Yumura, and Kevin Knight taking on C420 which is the tag team of C4 and Sonico. Titus Alexander versus Michael Oku. Warhorse and Adam Brooks will be taking on Ricky Gibson and Eddie Pearl. Calvin Tankman versus Eddie Massaro is also on this card. I think that one is absolutely worth the interest. Look, there's a whole mess of stuff happening this weekend that's being uh, broadcast on IWTV, on Fight Plus, uh, of course, on regular pay-per-view and on the Peacock as well. 
And if you want to keep up with it, if you want to watch some shows with some of the members of uh, the Mr. Warren Hayes Show community, join the Discord. Might be some fun surprises as we're going on throughout the next few days. But it all starts Thursday night, right into Sunday. And as I say hello to Mr. Fantastic, I'm going to let you know that this stream is not going to go into Sunday. We're going to end. We're going to wrap it up right now. We're going to bring an end to the weekly wrestling inspection. There will be, uh, even the community, Evan and the community will be doing Supercard predictions on Discord. There's a lot of stuff that you need to get into. Get into it! It's the best, it's, it's Christmas time for wrestling fans. There's something for everyone. There's lots of great stuff out there. Don't sleep on the smaller shows. Get into it. There's a lot of great stuff out there. And in the meantime, I'm going to bid you adieu, as a wise man once said. And uh, I'm going to thank you all for being here. If you haven't already, leave a like on the video. Subscribe if you haven't already. If this is your first time on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, I appreciate you. Thank you for popping in. Subscribe. Uh, Five-star ratings on Spotify. Five-star reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. All that stuff helps out. Uh, we're going to see each other on the other side. Hey, but I'll be back on Thursday for the weekly Dynamite review. Don't worry, but... We're gonna see our we're gonna all see each other on the other side of WrestleMania weekend. Enjoy it. Have fun. 